Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Hey, good morning. Uh, my, my name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, man, it's been really good uh, to be going through the Gospel of John. And we are still taking a break from that this morning. Um, but, you know, we've been celebrating our uh, two-year anniversary as a young little toddler, uh, little toddler church. It's pretty awesome. Uh, we're excited about what God has done and what he is, uh, we pray, going to continue to do through us and in us and with us and among us uh, as we try to follow Jesus. And so last week, I just want to like, give a little recap. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being worthy of our worship, okay? And so this is like the main idea of what being a Christian is. That Jesus is Lord. He saved us. We love him back, right? Uh, that's what being a Christian is all about. And so what I want you to see here, I got this illustration on my head at 5 o'clock this morning. So this may or may not work out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we'll see. So uh, usually not how I roll. I'm an, I'm an over-planner, so this is out of, my, out of my wheelhouse. But anyway, so I want you to picture all these dots over here on the right as like the world, like just life, people, whatever. And I only had like four color markers, so it doesn't represent like every uh, ethnicity, every socioeconomic group, every affinity group, like if you like the Lakers or the, the Warrior, like it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's limited representation here, but it's meant to represent everybody, okay? Notice something, can y'all see that over here? Notice something about these dots over here. They're mostly around each other, aren't they? Mostly kind of in little groups like this. Here's an interesting thing that Jesus does. I'm right-handed, so I apologize. I have to cover this just briefly. Jesus calls, uh, we call it the the gospel. It's the good news. It's that Jesus will save you. (laughs) Like he'll make you right with God. Jesus calls people from all of this spectrum to himself. And what he does is then he calls them to himself. And when he does, he calls them together. And what we talked about last week was that this motley crew, this crazy looking mixture of people is the church, right? This is the church. In fact, the the New Testament word for church means the called out ones. Uh, So that's us, if you're a follower of Jesus. And notice, they're not all like this. So man, like over here, these Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians, they don't mix, right? You follow me? Usually in life, we hang around with people that think like we do, that look like we do, that smell like we do, that like the same things that we do, have the same hobbies that we have, things like that, right? The church, we, we remain ourselves. We're still us. But Jesus calls us to something different. He calls us to be like, hashtag, not like family. This is a spiritual family. 
And last week, Pastor James uh, talked about some things that this early church, this first church, were all about. Primarily, they're about Jesus is worthy of our worship, right? And then we, we learned that they were devoted to certain things. All right, so Jesus, in, in his graciousness to the church, Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. Whose church is it? Jesus' church. Jesus then calls apostles, right? The, originally, it's the 12 disciples to be like under shepherds. Jesus is the head. These guys are to love these people really well and teach them about Jesus. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship of the believers, right? It's a unique kind of fellowship that followers of Jesus can have among one another. They were dedicated to the breaking of bread. That was the Lord's Supper. And, of course, like meals, we're Southern. We all love food, right, Um, together. And then finally, they were devoted to prayer. And so those things... Sharing Jesus in common and practicing those rhythms of life is what describes the church. Does that make sense? Okay. So this week then, we're going to continue building on what Jesus is doing as a church. You know, we didn't plan on having like a little three-week mini-series, but it's kind of what it's turned out to be. We're going to continue building on, man, how does the Bible say we should do church? This is a great thing for us as a young church to talk about and, and really revisit often, it's, a, um, it's something, the, the part that we're talking about today is not something we've really visited very much at all as a young church since way, way, way early days when there was just a few of us in a room. Um, and what we, But we believe this is an appropriate time. We just happen to be um, at this time of our church. This is an appropriate time to talk about appointed, godly, gifted people to help serve the body called deacons. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, that word is probably pretty foreign to you, deacons. Okay, great. I know who Wake Forest is. They're the demon deacons, right? Like, well, hopefully none of those are in the church, right? We don't have any demon deacons. Speaking of, if you did grow up in church, you may associate the word deacon uh, with some abuse of that office. And so that word may have a bad taste in your mouth. Some others of you might truly be able to say and speak about the great blessing that set apart, dedicated, serving, godly, gifted, called deacons can be to the body of Christ. And so all of us in here this morning... Gratefully, we have uh, this right here. This is called the Bible. God wrote a book. And among other things, he tells us how to do church in it. It's amazing. We, don't, we actually don't have to make this stuff up as we go. It's really cool. Uh, so we're going to dig into the Bible this morning and talk, like I said, about something that we really haven't talked about. And I think it's great that we, we get to go to the Bible for these things because as we talked about last week, we're still, still in the toddler phase of church. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever tried to hit a golf ball? How many of you can hit one straight? <laughs> many, many fewer hands, right? Here's the problem with golf. First, it's stinking hard. 
It's the hardest sport, man. It'll test your testimony. <laughs> right? Because with golf, there's so many little things. You've got to keep the arms straight and, the, and the, knee, the feet quiet and bent and the posture up and the thing. and the Right? Like all the little golf stuff. And I, it's too much for me to think about. I'm an analyzer. I can't do that. So with golf, the crazy thing is if you hit the ball and your club face is off by that much, you're going to end up in the trees, man. And the farther you, you're, the harder you hit the ball, and it's, off, and it's off just a little bit, the further it goes, the further off it goes into the woods, which is where I normally find myself. So just a little bitty fraction of a, of a wrong start can end up, the longer the thing goes, way off in the woods. Does that make sense? Same thing is true with the church. And this matter of deacons is like a, a, a fundamental thing. So let's get in the Bible. Let's get in that word so we can hit it straight down the fairway, man, right? Um, and that's where we want to be. Normally in here, we go verse by verse through passages of the Bible. That's called, uh, the big word for that's expository preaching. And it just means that we go through the Bible and, says, Here, and we say, here's what it says. Will you respond? That's expository preaching. That's normally what we do. And I think that's great because it gives us a real well-balanced diet of the Word of God. This morning's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be uh, a topical message where we look at different parts of the Bible and figure out what God has said about this topic. And our topic for the day is good and faithful servants. Good and faithful servants. We're going to be looking at the role of deacons serving, dedicated serving Folks, in the life of the church. Well, so first it might be important for us to look at, okay, why do we need deacons? Let's look at that. Why the church needs deacons. We're going to be in the book of Acts first. If you've got a paper Bible, uh, (laughs) a physical copy, I love to hear pages turning. And uh, that would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in your New Testament. Acts chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7 together. Acts chapter, man, that sounds so good. Anybody else like to hear the pages of the Bible turn? Man, that is, that's like music. It's awesome. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint went out by the Hellenists uh, when it arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Um. Uh, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient 
to the faith. So here we see sort of these like first little inklings of these dedicated folks set aside for this purpose. This is not like the official institution, but we get the idea here in Scripture. Now, truly, obviously, it would seem to me, people who had been uh, rescued from their sins and called to one another by Jesus were in many ways already serving each other. Right, because if, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, it's what happens when, when Jesus becomes your Savior, you're automatically going to love folks and care for people. And so it would stand to reason that they were already serving one another in some ways. But as ministries grow, as people groups expand, what may have been like a loose kind of informal thing, some, it needs to be formalized in, in many ways. Um, you know, if you've ever been a part of a company that starts out small and it grows, man, what used to kind of be unwritten rules have to become written rules all of a sudden. There's too many people uh, to, be, to be managed well. Um, and what we see here, it says in Acts chapter 6, that the church was increasing in number, right? But there, a complaint arose by one group of people. It says that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So as this group got more and more and more and more people, some people started falling through the cracks. And the apostles were like, well, this is not good. This is not how God's body should operate. People shouldn't be falling through the cracks. And so they appointed certain people um, because people were being neglected. And that, again, is not how God's church works. We shouldn't have people neglected, should we? Can I get an amen on that? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if you think people should be neglected, then we, you know, let's talk. Let's talk afterward. Um, so, because Jesus loves his people, and the apostles love Jesus and his people, they set aside certain kinds of dudes, and it says they were men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Um, to take care of this spiritual family. And the elders, who at that time were just the apostles, um, would set aside those folks for that purpose. Um, so while they had people already serving in that way, it needed to be, they needed some dedicated folks also. Likewise, man, if you've been around this church family, somebody has served you. If, you, if you've hung around long enough to let us know you just a little bit, <laughs> Somebody served you in some way. Or I'll tell you this, somebody wants to serve you. There are folks here who are loving and serving and sweating and doing that work already. And we thank God for people like you, like for real. We really do. Um, but also there remains, um, as, as Tim uh, pointed out, a need for more service. And that was true here in uh, the, the early church as well. So people could be, have their needs met more fully so that the ministry of the apostles wouldn't be hindered in any way and so that people wouldn't fall through the cracks. Um, if I can see, think of any place that that best is uh, embodied in the life of our church would be in our MCs, our missional communities. Um, so as we'll go forward, you'll see that our deacons will be primarily, it will be primarily focused on MC leaders. 
All right, because they're kind of already doing that work anyway. So there, there will be deacons in addition to MC leaders. So not every uh, deacon will be an MC leader, but every MC leader will be a deacon. Does that make sense? Uh, and I want to talk about MCs for, for just a minute. As a church, we said um, we're, we're not apostles. Okay, we learned that last week in MCs. Uh, but we've been given the job of being uh, shepherds or under-shepherds of the church called pastors, elders, right? And we're devoted to the apostles' teachings also because that's the Bible, (laughs) right? So we are pastors, elders, and we've decided for us to divide the congregation organically into MCs. This is, this is a missional community group. This is a missional community group. Actually, if it's James's group, man, it's like way, it's like this, this piece of the pie. But, but y'all get what I'm saying. And notice, notice the MC groups, the MCs don't look like this, do they? They're all, they're, they're all mixed together, right? Because we're not like family. We are family. And so what we've decided now is more and more being added here. We don't want anybody falling through the cracks because Jesus loves his people and we love Jesus' people. We've decided we're going to have, we're going to appoint certain folks, chosen, godly, qualified people. Sometimes there'll be multiple within the MCs, but at least the MC leader to make sure that nobody falls through the cracks, to make sure that everybody is loved well, to make sure that everybody is served well. Why do we meet during the week in MCs? Audience participation. Why? why? To eat food. Amen. Why, 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 why else? Why else do we meet together during the week? It's important to keep up with each other. We dig into the Bible together. We certainly eat food. It's because on Sundays, when we come in here, we have very limited reaction, interaction with one another, do we not? You're mostly looking at the back of somebody's head right now. Well, during the week, we like to look at one another's faces and do life together and do it usually over a meal. And we drink from the Word of God together. And we talk about how good Jesus is. Or we talk about how hard life is right now. Can you help me do this? Right? Why do we need MCs to do that? Because y'all know Bill Withers? How about Club Nouveau? Anybody ever heard Club Nouveau? For no one can feel those of your needs. That you won't let show, right? They've been telling us that for years, but that's why we meet together in MCs, and that's why I don't sing on a worship team, <laughs> right? But the, and the reason we do that, the, the, way, the only way we sinful human beings will usually let our needs show is with people we trust. The only way we come to trust people so if we sit around in circles with them, we hear their stories. Like, Man, that sounds a lot like mine. A person doesn't look like me, but they sound a lot like me. That word of God is, is talking to all of us right now. And over time, 
When we do that, again, particularly over a meal, amen, um, we begin to trust one another. And when we trust one another, we begin to share one another's burdens because we're willing to, to show our burdens and let them, let them be known. That's what MCs are about. And that's why our MC leaders are going to be deacons, a part of the, part of the deacons. Um, and our MCs are, are do, growing in that right now. We just started MCs back after a, a while off. So you may be trying to find your way in a new missional community group. That's okay. You don't trust anybody overnight. That's okay. But man, hang out with each other and see what the Lord does. I think he would have us love one another really well. God's growing us spiritually. He's also growing us numerically. I don't know if you've noticed, right? So then, it's important for us to set apart some folks to help do that. Not like family. Nobody left behind. Nobody falling through the cracks. By God's grace, as much as we can help it, right? Okay, so that's why um, our deacons are also going to be equipped to give godly, wholesome, biblical, gospel-centered counseling. We're going to see to that. Right, so we're going to train the deacons in how to do that. Why would we do that? If the deacons were called to meet sort of the physical needs, why would we train them in counseling? Think about it. As we meet physical needs, that's when we open up to each other, isn't it? When you go to somebody in need or somebody comes to you in need, your souls rub together in lots of ways. So physical care kind of bleeds over into and becomes soul care, does it not? And we want to care for God's people really well. It's Jesus' church. And so we, want to, we really want to do that. So the text seems to be really clear about why we need deacons. God loves his people. Uh, the pastors and elders love God's people. Um, and we want people to be ministered to well. Not that the deacons will be doing everything, but that the deacons will be people like point people where we can make sure that everybody has uh, the proper touch that they, that they need. And that's part of what we call unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. So that's why we have deacons. Let's take a look at how the Bible answers the question, so what's a deacon? We know we need them. Uh, the Bible says we, we need them. There's precedent for having them. What is it? Um, what is a deacon? Well, we need to know that the term... It's a, it's a Greek word that we get the word deacon from, but that word is used in a general sense of people serving, like we have now, like tons of people serving. We've got people back in tech. you got me serving up here preaching. you got people ushering. you got people back with the kids. you got people doing music. you got people taking up the offering. you got people making sure that the floor is swept afterwards. you got Scotty doing everything on Sunday, right? Like we got people serving, man. So it's a general sense, but there's also a specific sense. We see it, and these aren't going to come up on the board. It's going to be quick. But the uh, general sense of the word servant is like in Luke chapter 10 where we see Mary and Martha, right, hanging out with Jesus. Jesus comes to visit, and uh, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, listening, worshiping. And uh, what's her sister doing? Serving, working. She's, she's like making sure the place is clean, the food's on the table, that sort of thing. Um, there's a, a, another woman who was a servant in the church named Phoebe, Romans chapter 16. She's referred to as a servant in the church. Again, this is the general sense of the word. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul kind of praises the entire church for doing the, quote, ministry 
of service. Listen, to this. I'll read those verses to you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 11 to 12 say, You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service. That word ministry is the word where we get deacon from. Is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Ephesians chapter 4, which we're going to refer to later, talks about the the, the job of the pastor elder is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that word ministry, again, is where we get the word uh, deacon. So, and again, in back in chapter 6, where we just look, there's a precedent for this serving, uh, serving sort of deal. So that's the general sense. Um, and clearly, every member is to serve that way. But the Bible's telling us, particularly as we grow, and we are, thank God, by His grace, we need set-apart, godly, specific, gifted folks. The first place we see that is where Paul writes a letter to the Philippian churches. And it's actually him and Timothy writing, and Paul says, you know, we. He says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul and Timothy are these guys, the apostles. They're writing to the overseers. Overseer, pastor, elder, those words are used interchangeably in the New Testament. And the deacons and the saints. Right? So Paul's saying, here's all the people going on in the church here. Um, I want us to go then to 1 Timothy. You can go ahead and begin flipping there. 1 Timothy. Here's where we see the office of deacon being talked about. And as you turn there, I, you'll, you'll see that Paul doesn't begin talking about deacons. He begins talking about the pastor's elders. Um, and right now, uh, when we say the word uh, elders... In our church, that's the pastors, right? Later, we'll add lay uh, elders as well. But Paul begins talking about elders and then goes to deacons because it's important to understand their relationship. So we'll read the whole thing, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. And that will be coming up on the screen for you. He says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's the pastor, elder, uh, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace 
into a snare of the devil. Now, here we go. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, this tells us, man, the calling of deacon is a really big deal. <laughs> it's a high calling, man. In our Americanized uh, Christianity, we may think that um, there's the, the pastor elders, those are the, the most important people, and then there's the deacons, the less important people, because they're servants, right? They meet, they meet physical needs, and the pastors meet spiritual needs, so the deacons are somehow like lesser, um, absolutely not. Did we not just read God's requirements for the deacon? Didn't we? Um, there's, now, there's a, different in, there's a difference in the system and how it functions, um, but these are equally precious, and it's a high calling uh, before the Lord. Uh, one way that I, I saw it put was that deacons are to be viewed, ought to be viewed as an extension of the heart, the hands, and the mind of the elders slash pastors in response to practical issues. And I think that describes it well. So you have Jesus, the head of the church. You have the under-shepherds who are in submission to Jesus and his word. That's the, word, that's the apostles' teaching, right? And then we have the deacons. Deacons. Who are sort of, sort of in, in, uh, enact the um, calling Upon the church, the deacons are the hands and the feet and that, and that sort of thing. Um, by the way, who are the saints in the passage? You ever thought of yourself as a saint if you follow Jesus? Think about it. We, do you, could you comfortably look at yourself in the mirror and say, Good morning, saint. <laughs> no. But, but I, want, I want you to, to see something. If Jesus is righteous, and he is, and if Jesus has said, I forgive you and call you to myself, then you too are righteous because you're in Jesus. Not because you have any righteousness of your own, but Jesus has made you a saint do you hear me? That's great news. And if you don't feel that you've been made clean by Jesus, you may feel clean, but if it's not by Jesus, let me kindly tell you, it's not clean. Jesus desires to make you a saint. and We'd love to talk to you more about that. But if you're in Christ, you are a saint. So, man, as we talk about putting deacons in place, let's remember who deacons are called to serve. People Jesus died for. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Let's remember 
the qualifications of a deacon that uh, we just talked about. Deacons are supposed to be of equal character as the elders. It's a high, high calling. Um, We could look at it in verses 8 through 13 again. Let's make sure we don't miss it. Let's just read it together one more time. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children well, our children in their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also for great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Talk about a job description. Like, can you, uh, uh, no, I can't, I can't make it, <laughs> right? That's a high calling, man. Uh, Jesus uh, found his disciples arguing amongst themselves at, at what we have come to know as the Last Supper. They were arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Isn't that a funny thing? We're sitting here among Jesus, right? Imagine Jesus standing before, before us here on the front row. And the only thing we can think to do is to argue with each other. You know, which one's the best of us? Jesus is in the room. Jesus is the best, right? Like, it's Jesus. And what Jesus finds himself doing in among that argument about who's the greatest, Jesus, who was God in the flesh and was about to die for these men, clamoring for position, Jesus humbles himself. He gets down as a servant and washes the feet, the nasty feet that traveled the dirt roads of his disciples. And here's what he says to them. He says, you know, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among, hear this, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves That's the same word for deacon. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? Here's what Jesus says about himself. But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus' own heart is one of service. That's the heart of a deacon. That's the heart of a servant. And we praise the Lord because we believe that God has already sent beautiful men like that among us. We really do believe that uh, for this specific purpose. So we've talked about uh, Jesus. (laughs) We've talked about the elders' pastors. We'll revisit that later down the road, life of our church. We've talked about deacons, and we've talked about the saints, and that's where I want to focus as we close. I want to talk to you um, about this idea of the church itself, and I want to hone in on it. And I want us to remember that every member is a minister. That's the culture of our church. If you've been kind of evaluating, do I want to be part of that congregation? Or This is our culture, part of our culture. Every member is a minister. We are call, all called to serve. Let's return to that first, uh, that one of those early passages that we referred to, Ephesians 4. Go there in your Bibles, Ephesians 4. And pay careful attention to this, Ephesians 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 16 together. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who's the saints? Okay, okay. Uh, For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the body, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Builds itself up in love. Where's Tim? Tim, where where are you, man? Tim, you preached my sermon earlier, but I got something to say right here. I'm going to repeat something that Tim said. Um, Tim talked about this idea of uh, being a spectator. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, you know, uh, football is a spectator sport. There's 22 men who desperately need rest being watched by 22,000 people who desperately need exercise. (laughs) He says, people come to watch the pastor do his thing, and they think that their part is to be quiet and listen, and his part is to minister. But Christianity is not a spectator sport. All Christians are called to do the work of ministry. Um, Thankfully, again, we, we have some really strong team players here among us, among the saints. Um, but that's part of our mission statement, is it? isn't it? Changing lives by making, growing, unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. And we just read in Ephesians that the church grows when every part is functioning as it should and every member is doing their part. There's these, um, in the Bible, we won't read them, but there's these great one another verses. One another verses. You ever run a, a, a potato sack race or ever had your leg strapped to another person's leg at like a fall festival sort of thing and you have to race? I don't know what they call that. Thank Relay race. Thank you. Three-legged race. That sounds better. Uh, that's a one another sort of thing. Listen, man, if you're not running with me, we're tied together. We're family. And if we want to reach the goal, I got to run and you got to run. We got to run together. I had a pastor friend, uh, this pastor friend now, he's one of my professors before. He had this phrase that has stuck with me. He says, it takes all God's people to do all God's work. It takes all God's people to do all God's work. And what he meant was that God, through his spirit, intentionally gives people spiritual gifts as he wills. We don't control that. That comes from God. That comes from God. So, and, and God then intentionally, first of all, God intentionally calls people from all these, this spectrum into this family. And then he gifts those people for certain things. And check this out. Not just the like, global body of, G, uh, body of Christ all over the world, all Christians everywhere, but in a local church, 
God remains sovereign and God does nothing by mistake. You know what that means? If you're a follower of Jesus, put, do some math with me. He's called you to himself. He specifically gifted you to be you. As only you can be. He specifically called you to be part of this body. That means God has work that he wants to do in and through this body by you. By you. We are all crucial. God does nothing by mistake. He brought us together as family on purpose. I need you. You need me. We need each other. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. We get to serve him together, y'all. We get to serve him together. Um, Jesus embodied service. Jesus embodied service. Remember he said that, you know, the, the Gentiles, the, the non-Christians, um, don't serve. They look to be served. Jesus said, I came to be a servant. Remember, and he got on his feet and he washed on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. He did that before he was about to do the ultimate act of service. And as we think about deacons this morning, and as we think about, God, what would you have me do in this family? How can I serve? I want you to have a picture in your mind. We have a picture up on the side of the room every week. We have juice over there. And we have little uh, broken pieces of bread. And that juice actually represents blood. It's a weird thing, isn't it? But it represents Jesus' blood that was spilled on our behalf. In other words, we had a we had really, because we have rebelled against the God of life, we get what comes after that, death. We literally legit have death penalty hanging over us. And Jesus says, I'll take it. 